This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Welcome back to Education Matters, a weekly podcast diving into the big issues facing Ohio's students and the 120,000 educators OEA represents. I'm your host, Katie Olmsted, and I am pumped about this episode. It's with the president of the Bloom Carroll Education Association, Daniel Grove. He's an eighth grade language arts teacher in that small rural district in Fairfield County. And our conversation is the kind that you walk away from feeling hyped up, just soaking in solidarity and collective power and ready to take on the world with their union brothers and sisters beside you. Because that's what Grove and his members recently did taking an action together to call out the administration on their malarkey and resulting in a big win for everyone. I'll let Daniel tell the story. Daniel Grove, thanks for sitting down with us today. We're here because you did some exceptional sleuthing. You have uncovered some things the public really needed to know about in your district. What can you tell me? We found out through some public records requests that two of our administrators in the district were receiving a large amount of money that is not part of their base salary. And they did two addendums to their contracts, one for each, which combined for a total of about $70,000 that was not clear to the public. And these are not things that were part of public negotiations on their contracts or anything like that. These are uh, sneaky things they've put in there. Correct. So the conversation was that the superintendent wasn't happy that he was only making 3000 more than the principal that he hired. So he wanted a raise, but they had told us as a union that we didn't have a whole lot of money left laying around. So they tried to sneak in some extra clauses into their contract. They even went as far as to change the board meeting to a day that never is run. It's not run on. They sent out the information late so that people hopefully would miss it. Um, and then we, when I found out why, I went to the meeting and spoke against it. And they had snuck in some, some things that to the union and to the general public would be a little confusing. Um, they both got money to travel for travel expenses and it's a flat rate. So they get between five and $600 a month and they don't have to prove that they traveled anywhere. And, and this is a big district. Money. This is a very small district. Uh, we are three buildings combined roughly between 150 and 180 students per grade level K through 12. And you were telling me you can literally walk between the buildings. You don't need $500 to travel between no. these buildings. You could likely throw a Frisbee and hit all three buildings without moving. <laughs> so certainly something that raised eyebrows with that 500 to $600 in the travel expenses. What else did you uncover? Uh, we also found that both administrators, our, our treasurer and our superintendent are given continuity clauses, which means every year that they return to work here, they're given another thousand dollar stipend. So this year, our treasurer is between four dollars and $5,000 just for continuing to work here. And our superintendent receives six to $7,000 for working. And then next year, that will go up $1,000. And the bottom line is there's 
one number on paper about how much they're making and one number in reality about how much they're making. And for the superintendent, that's a huge difference between those two numbers. It's, it's a very significant number. Um, if I looked at the paperwork when the superintendent's base salary is roughly 123,000, give or take. But when you add all of the different pieces that they put into his contract, he's making almost $173,000. And this which is, is a significant it- increase that the public would not be aware of because they haven't seen their contracts. And this is all, of course, against the background of them telling you, the educators, oh, we don't have the money to pay you. Correct. We don't have money for raises. You know, money's kind of tight. We're going to have to ask you guys to do a rollover uh, instead of negotiating to, to help us out so we can get through this rough patch. How did you react to that when they initially told you this is the financial situation here? We need you guys to, you know, give up something so that we can stay afloat. Well, as always, my biggest resource is my LRC. Uh, She's phenomenal. And uh, OEA. So with OEA support, we did some public records requests. We dug deep and and found out exactly what we could afford as an increase for teachers without putting the district in in the red or risking having anyone rifted. Uh, And then we, we went in and requested, I went in and in a, in a session with the two administrators that we're talking about and just said like, look, I, I know you can afford to pay this much. I'm going to ask for more because if you can afford to pay yourselves that much money in a year, I assume you can afford to pay all of us. And this is the part of the story that I love the most. You had the members show up at that meeting and they said, Hey, we, we did. We sent out, we're, we're relatively small, so we have a little over 100 unit members uh, in the local. I sent out a mass email and just contacted everybody and said, hey, look, if you can be there, it means a lot more if you're outside rather than just me going in with my vice president, uh, Janice Butcher. So the two of us went in and we're, we're just barely over 100. We had 45 to 55 members show up and then some of them brought family members, and we all wore union shirts uh, with BCEA on them, uh, and they stood outside in support of everything. It was amazing. The superintendent and the treasurer acted as though they didn't realize that they were outside, but when we were done with the meeting, they left and they walked right past us, so they clearly knew that we had a mass group of people supporting the cause that we were there for. And the end result was that you were able to negotiate higher pay for your members. Correct. We were able to get a nice raise for the teachers. And then we were also able to receive a a, a $1,000, essentially a bonus this year and next year as part of COVID relief money. Do you think you would have gotten those raises and that pandemic relief money had you not called those administrators to the mat and and told them, we know exactly what you're up to? I honestly feel within about 100% certainty that if we would not have challenged them, we wouldn't have gotten any of the money. They actually almost missed the deadline to allocate that money in a proper procedure in place 
and we called that emergency meeting in order to ask for additional funds and money. And they were about a month away from losing access to the money because they hadn't used it the way that the state said they needed to. And let's be clear, this was not part of your normal contract negotiations. This was something else, something outside of that normal dealing, correct? Correct. This was a this was a, as a confrontation that the union had had with addendums to both of the superintendent and the treasurer's contracts that we thought were questionable. We thought if we had excess money that it should be given to the teachers who were in the front lines doing the work, working with the students daily. We never shut down the last school year for COVID. We were here 100% of the time. Um, we had one month at the beginning of the year where we we did a, a, a schedule where half of the kids came on Monday, Wednesday, and the other half came Tuesday, Thursday, and then they rotated Fridays. But it, it ended in the month of October, and we went from October until the, the end of the calendar year, 100% full, full student body at school. So a, a tremendous level of risk for everyone involved there. A tremendous, um, a tremendous risk for several teachers. There are always teachers that, you know, they have an autoimmune disease or they're more susceptible to uh, physical ailments due to COVID. Uh, and we didn't feel like we had the support and weren't being recognized for the work and the effort that we were putting in for the kids and for the district. Absolutely. It strikes me that this is probably not unique to Bloom Carroll. Um, I, I would not be surprised if we found out that this is happening in districts all across Ohio, where administrators are taking care of themselves without the taxpayers understanding where that money is going and leaving the teachers and the educators out in the cold. What would your message be to other local leaders about how they can stand up and stand together to fight for their members on this? This is an interesting question. I come from a district that's not super active as a union, uh, but I am I am newer to the district than the last eight years. And when I took over, I made, with the help of officers, the union a much stronger entity where we speak up and we speak out when we see an issue or feel like we're being mistreated. The year that we put in and the work that we've done in the last four or five years, we are one of the top schools in our, our comparable size and shape in the state. Uh, we work really, really, really hard to make sure that our kids get an education. And the only way that you can stay on top of what's going on, going on behind closed doors is to ask questions. And everything, everything is 100% at your fingertips. You just have to ask for it. Uh, so if there were ever a question I did a public records request for every contract for every administrator from the time they started until the current year. And I compared every single one of them. And OEA helped me tremendously with comparisons and numbers and pulling data so that when I went into the meetings, I knew exactly what I was talking about. I knew exactly what every person's contract said and what I could question. And I think educate as educators, educating yourself and being active and proactive in your research is very important. And OEA is a phenomenal resource when it comes to any kind of research for data 
that that would be for contracts or comparable districts in the state. I can imagine in some locals they would be afraid, even knowing that information of retaliation from the administration. That's certainly not something that is unheard of or or difficulty going forward. Where does your confidence come from in terms of, I mean, obviously being right is very helpful, but (laughs) where does your confidence come from that this is the right thing to do now? I come from a family of educators. My stepfather is a superintendent. My mother is a retired English teacher. My sister's an English teacher. My brother is is a nurse educator. He educates nurses. My sister her husband is a principal, like we're just all wrapped up in education. And just through time, I've learned that if I sit back quietly and don't say anything, I'm not going to get anything and I'm not going to be recognized for what I do. To fight back against that system, I've, I've just learned that my confidence comes from knowing my contract. I've read it inside and out. I know exactly what I can say to what person I know what questions I can ask. And if I ever am not sure, I know I can go to my labor relations consultant and ask, and she will respond and let me know exactly legally what I'm responsible for. And what that does is it gives you a tremendous amount of confidence to know that you're right. And if they are wrong, you're perfectly enabled and entitled to to let them know. On the, the topic of Um, retaliation or being looked down on for what you do. I will be honest. I am definitely treated different because I'm the president of the union, but that's a two-way street. It's both good and bad. They know better than to cross me and make a mistake because I will call them on it. And if I have to, I'll file a grievance. Other teachers who feel that they are possibly going to get looked at differently or be mistreated I, I do the best I can to explain to them that, listen, let's hope that they mistreat one of us because you said something that you were entitled to say, or they violate your contract because they're, they're upset with you because we have access to phenomenal lawyers. And if they mistreat you and violate the contract, we will fight them and we will win. And as of 235 on December 16th, 2021, I have yet to challenge an issue in this school district and have been wrong. Well, that's got to feel good. And it's, it it's got to feel good. It's got to feel good to have, uh, demonstrably to have the members behind you, to have your back quite literally during that meeting with the administrators where they are standing outside to be like, Hey, we're here and we're not going away. Moving forward, especially, you know, going into your next contract year and, and, and everything else you have to do as the president, how important is it to have that cohesion in your unit? Being a union president is a very thankless job. Nobody calls you to say, oh, my gosh, my day was so great and you are amazing. It's always, um, hey, I need to talk to you. This place is terrible and I'm being I feel awful and my days are terrible it's always a negative situation. The positive of it is when I started here, I was by myself. I tried to do this on my own and it was a lot of work. It was a lot of stress and it was difficult, but with the help of some different officers and putting people in a place where they could 
help me and I could delegate, we created a stronger local. And as a result, people started to feel confident that if they were to get in some kind of a trouble, I would come and support them. And if they were mistreated, I would come and support them. And if there was a violation to a contract, I would be all over it in support of them. And what that built over time was a, a, a confidence in myself as the union president, but a confidence in the local as a group of collective members in each building who support each other, who look out for each other, who walk into the room and check on each other and, and just counsel one another when needed. And that support and that confidence has got us to where we are now. And we've gotten higher pay raises in the last three negotiations than we've had in the last 20 years. We've gotten, wow. we've gotten more, um, more resources that are put into place to help teachers. And the administration isn't nearly as confident and for lack of a better term, shady as they have been in the past. There have been several times where they've done something and we've had OEA involvement with an attorney and the attorney looks at them and says, just so you know, this is illegal. We will take action and, and take you to court. And they say, nope, we don't care. We're going to leave it in there. And then we challenge them and they realize that, oh, these guys aren't bluffing. These, they're for real. And the support in the, in the local now has gotten so large in comparison that it really just feels like we're all fighting the same fight together. And when you do that with a collective group of people, it's really tough to beat you. And at the end of the day, it's great for the students. It's great for the community and the taxpayers. And it's so important for the students who you have dedicated yourselves to serving. I our bottom line, and I believe this entirely, is we are here because we love, love, love children from K through 12, and we will do whatever we can to help them succeed in the classroom and out of the classroom. And I believe, I've taught in several states and multiple districts, this district is amazing. There are phenomenal teachers here who go above and beyond their contract and what their requirements are. And very seldom do they ask for additional things. And, and that gives us some additional power to say, you know, look, we deserve more things, more money when we negotiate because we have some of the highest test scores. We have some of the lowest discipline and behavior problems in the, in the, in the county. We lead the county in several testing scores. Uh, we just have great, great kids and great families. And a great local association that is getting stuff done. Daniel Absolutely. Grove, thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. Next week, we're bringing you a good conversation between OEA President Scott DeMauro and Congressman Tim Ryan as he campaigns for Ohio's open U.S. Senate seat. You don't want to miss their candid talk about the issues that matter most for public education in our state. And take a minute to like or subscribe to Education Matters wherever you get your podcasts so you get the latest episodes as they're released. New episodes are published every Thursday morning. Until next time, stay well. <laughs>